the early season is supposed to be about the big schools going out there and beating up on teams for some easy wins to get things started. But it was some defining losses that ended up being the biggest headline of week two in the Big Ten. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into everything you need to know from week two across the Big Ten, including the biggest consequence, the end of the Scott Frost era at Nebraska. That's, of course, the biggest news from over the weekend. We'll get to it in just a second. But first, thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. We, of course, have everything you need to know all across the Big Ten every day. And if you're a fan of a particular school, which... I imagine you are. We also have shows for every single, almost, Big Ten school out there. We're getting there. We're trying to get them all filled up and get people for everyone. But if you are a fan of an individual school, go search for them. Find them just like you found us here on the podcast. Our show today is brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. We'll tell you more about Underdog in just a minute. Let's start off with, of course, the biggest news from over the weekend. Scott Frost is out at Nebraska. After four-plus seasons at the helm of his alma mater, the former national championship-winning quarterback is no longer getting the chance to bring the Cornhuskers back to that same glory. It ends up being a 16-31 and final record for Frost at Nebraska. He finishes with zero 500 seasons, zero bowl game appearances, and hardly anything to show for it as far as marquee wins. This after the highs of the undefeated season he had at UCF. It really was an odd, odd downfall throughout all of his tenure to where we got to now being the laughingstock of the Big Ten and the country in 2022. As far as other notes on Frost, uh, the biggest surprise with this move right now for Nebraska is the payout. If Nebraska had waited until just October 1st, something that they had uh, just recently negotiated in Frost's contract, they would have owed him only $7.5 million in the buyout instead of $15 mil. That's half off to get him out of town if they had just waited three more weeks. But instead, Nebraska says, no, 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 Georgia Southern is enough for us. We've seen all we need to see. Let's get you out right now so we don't have to, well, lose an embarrassing game to Oklahoma next week with the most embarrassing coach in college football still on the sideline. Instead, it's going to be Mickey Joseph on the sideline for that game, getting his first taste as a head coach against a top 10 team. So we'll see how that goes. But... If you're Nebraska, you have nothing right now, and I think you may be happier about that than what you had a day ago. So it's a weird situation for the Cornhuskers in Lincoln. Of course, the biggest question is who is next to coach Nebraska football. 
Still a very attractive job. That's going to be the topic for tomorrow's show. Who are the candidates and just how high level of a job is that still at Nebraska? Because it's now been a minute since the Cornhuskers were really, really as good as where they were in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. We'll get to all of that tomorrow on the show. The other stuff I had to note as far as just all of the weirdness that all this was is that I thought this was a perfect way to end the era that was Scott Frost at Nebraska. Because while there were plenty of stupid mistakes made by Scott Frost out there on the field, there were just as many, I would argue, made by Nebraska off the field in this last couple of years of the process. And they cap it all off with one final just bonehead move in letting him go here early. Listen, I get that Georgia Southern may be the final straw. There's no shame in that. But letting him go here now, instead of just waiting to save your money three weeks, what, what, is Mickey Joseph going to lead you to a win against Oklahoma? No. Yes, the optics look better of getting rid of him at this moment, but if you could save that much money by waiting that little time, I mean, let's be honest. This Nebraska front office has not been great in recent years, even before Frost, in making the best moves for this program. Some, say, some would say it was an arguable and emotional move to even keep Scott Frost for the beginning of this season at all. And now it's an emotional and, I, I would argue, impulsive move to get rid of him a day after this bad loss when you could have just waited three weeks and taken advantage of a clause you wrote into the contract I think it was less than a year ago, maybe just this last offseason. Instead, the era that is Scott Frost at Nebraska, one that was defined by a bunch of bonehead moves. If you were watching from afar, you probably only saw the ones on the football field. But whether it be on the football field, in the practice, in the things that Frost said to the media at times, or just what this administration did, in the handling of his coaching tenure. I would say that this kind of a mistake and stupid move is not only par for the course, but a fitting cherry on top to what was a disaster of a job done by Scott Frost, done by the people at Nebraska, just by everybody involved in this situation. So for Scott Frost, the time is done. We'll talk more about what happens for Nebraska tomorrow on the show. But a really, really rough way for him to end a really, really rough coaching career at a school that gave him just about all the leash that it could. Coming up, we're going to go over some of the other biggest losses from over the weekend. We didn't even talk about how Nebraska lost that game to Georgia Southern. But there were a couple of other Big Ten losses on the west side that defined the Saturday in the conference. Wisconsin losing to a Power 5 opponent. Iowa losing the in-state battle against Iowa State for the first time in a while. We're going to talk about all of that here on Locked On Big Ten. Before any of that, though, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. This is the place to go for any of your ways to try and win hard cash if you're looking to get in 
when you wake up on college football Saturday. What you do over at Underdog Fantasy is you go and you pick players with overs and unders for yards or anything else, whether it be football, basketball, once we get that started up and things like that. Pick a certain amount of players, and you can win up to 20 amount, twenty times the amount that you put in when you win. Go over to underdogfantasy.com right now and see what we're talking about. Use the promo code Locked On to get a deposit match up to $100 the first time you put money in. Underdog Fantasy has the backing of big names like Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more. So head on over to Underdog Fantasy right now and see what we're talking about. You've probably already heard about them. It's time to get it. Use code LOCKEDON to give yourself a little bit of an extra edge and get started at underdogfantasy.com. Back on Locked On Big Ten, we're getting into what was a weird weekend of games for Big Ten football teams. The west side of the conference had a rough go of it. Whether it be the, of course, Nebraska debacle we just started to go over and skim the surface of, or what we talk about now here with Wisconsin. It was not pretty out there early in the season for anybody in the Big Ten. Let's go over these two losses for these two teams. It's, it was kind of remarkable how both of them lost this way. Uh, Wisconsin-Washington State. Or Wisconsin-Washington State, yeah. Going into this game, a 17-point favorite, Wisconsin. Comes out. And once again, really has nothing on offense for a lot of this game. Graham Mertz looked okay at times. But when you're talking about what Wisconsin was able to and not able to do, it was a game that they could have won, but some odd choices made. I made note of the fourth and three that they had at their own 47-yard line in that game. Uh, ends up not getting that, and then Washington State comes back and scoring right after. Really, really hurt Wisconsin. Penalties really hurt Wisconsin. I think it was 11 for more than 100 yards. I know it was. When you looked at the final box score, I don't remember the exact number. And shut out in the second half. It just can't happen. 17-14 to 14, the final score in this game. But when you look at what it was for Wisconsin, I mean, this is a game Wisconsin was supposed to win pretty handily, right? 17-point favorites going in. And we talked about it with Iowa last week, and Wisconsin did it this week, and Iowa did it again this week, of course. But these are teams that are playing Big Ten games, but just aren't doing it at the right time. And what I mean by that is that, as I'll say again with Iowa, I'm not saying here that Wisconsin isn't necessarily good enough to compete in the Big Ten state. That's not what I'm trying to get at here. What I'm just wanting to at least start to suggest is that, hey, the fact that we're seeing these games get so ugly so early, Iowa last week, Iowa this week, Wisconsin this week, and elsewhere, I don't think it's a good sign for the strength of this conference being able to hold up in the same way this year. And I'm sure if I went back last year, I'd be able to find the same kind of games being played early on. But I feel like they wouldn't be in the same kind of degree and not in the same numbers either. I'm feeling like across the conference, and let's even just cut it off to the west half of this conference, which I've always said I think is just wide open and a lot weaker this year. 
I even expected them to, at the very beginning, at least be able to handle the business, right? These are not the teams you're supposed to be able to have close games against, or have to have close games against. You're supposed to be able to beat up on a Washington State if you're a Wisconsin team that's ranked in the top 20. You're supposed to be able to beat up on a North Dakota or anybody else that you face in this non-conference who you're facing purely to be a warm-up. It's always been that the Big Ten beats up on each other and plays these kind of ugly games in November, in October. Once we get deep into the conference season and into the college football season. And the reason why that happened was always supposed to be because the Big Ten's that good that it beats up on each other. And while I fully expect to see that again, this is not encouraging what we've seen in these first couple of weeks from the conference as a whole. When we're trying to make a, an argument that this is supposed to be one of the best in college football. In places, certainly. Ohio State still looks really good, of course. The eastern side of the conference has overall been really solid. But over on that west, it's not looking like it's stacking up this season. And it didn't stack up last season. I, I feel like, I mean, we've been talking about it. I feel like the gap between Ohio State and everybody else is bigger this year. I think that gap between the east and the west could be monstrous from what we've seen in just a couple of weeks of football this season so far. And also, it could just be Minnesota's to run away with. We don't know. Maybe the Gophers are really good and everyone else is just struggling right now. But the point is that as I talk about this Wisconsin game, the Badgers lost in an ugly way and a, an Iowa game coming up that Hawkeyes also lost in a pretty, pretty ugly way. I'm not as worried about the individual losses as I am for what it means for just the quality of the conference as a whole. Again, Wisconsin's going to be fine when it comes to competing in the Big Ten. I believe that wholeheartedly. I don't think that losing to Washington State changes that all too much. When they get to the Big Ten games that matter, Wisconsin's going to be Wisconsin again. But just how good of a Wisconsin team it is, I think your confidence in that compared to what you had in previous years takes a big hit from what you've seen in the last two weeks. And that goes the same for Iowa. It obviously goes the same for Nebraska. And for a lot of those contenders in the West. So I guess that's where I'm trying to go here, is that when you're thinking about these games and saying, okay, I agree with what I'm saying from last week, in that Iowa losing that game or almost losing that game early doesn't really mean all that much for what they're going to be able to do against Minnesota in November. It doesn't. But as far as just where the ceiling is for these teams, I guess I was just expecting a little bit higher than what I've gotten so far. Moving on to the other game that I've been alluding to but haven't actually hit on yet, Iowa-Iowa State was not pretty for the entirety of it. Final score 10-7 to indicates that, of course. Iowa doesn't win it after having a whole lot of shots to win it. A heartbreaker the way that they lose this game. First, you have the ball at the goal line for Iowa State, or of Iowa State, if you're Iowa. Have a chance to go up here in this game or go up more in this game. End up fumbling that ball away. And then the Cyclones come down and get a 99-yard drive to take their lead. 
If that's not bad enough, Iowa gets the ball back at the end of the game with a chance to tie things up with a field goal that's only 48 yards. This is college field goal kicking, we know, but 48 yards isn't that hard of an ask. And of course, it goes wide left and Iowa loses the game. Uh, Cyclones head coach Matt Campbell called it a game of imperfection. He may be someone we talk about when we talk about Nebraska coaches tomorrow. I mean, welcome to Big Ten if you're not used to seeing those kind of games playing against Iowa. And I still have no idea how good or bad Iowa is. I mentioned that last week. It was a game that we learned a lot about where this team's at right now last week, but I still am, when I'm talking about, again, the big picture, I'm not saying I was any sort of better or worse at the end of it. I don't think we learned anything more after this week either. A team's not in a good spot. We know that. But, again, as far as how good this team's going to be in October or November, I don't think that that Saturday affects all that much. I need to see how you're playing consistently against Big Ten teams before I'm ready to write off an Iowa, a Wisconsin, or, I mean, I guess those are the two teams in the West. You can't write those teams off at any point until they start taking those actual Big Ten losses. So those two games, just really tough ones. I mean, I, I listed it off, but again, just to put it all again, Wisconsin has that fourth and three that they go for, don't get. Washington State scores the game-winning touchdown right after that. A shutout in the second half just cannot happen there. Uh, it was a decent yardage day for Graham Mertz, too. 227 yards. That's not great when you think about that. Okay, what happens on the days when Wisconsin's having him throw for 100 yards less than that? And he had Braylon Allen carrying 20 times, too. So wasn't like it was a slow day for him. Then at the Iowa-Iowa State game, the fumble and the 99-yard drive the other way, the missed field goal. I said it off the top. The weekend was defined by tough losses in the Big Ten. And if I'm looking at that one half of the conference right now, I cannot be confident as a Big Ten fan, as a Big Ten advocate, that I can look you straight in the face and say that there's anyone who's especially good in it right now. Minnesota looks good. But that's really just because they've done their job and nobody else over on that side has yet. That's the reality of it. Is that in the West of the Big Ten, all you have to do to be the best right now is be able to beat up on nobodies like a Western Illinois that Minnesota had this week. It's not that hard at the moment. And I mentioned that this conference was going to be wide open over on that side. But uh, again, I was still even myself a little bit surprised at how poor. Uh, I mean, you talk about contenders going into the season. Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, all of them have all played to start off the year. We'll talk more about uh, other games and just my little bitty bullet points before we head out here on Locked On Big Ten to start off the week here on the show. Before we get to any of that, though, a reminder that as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn, I don't have to sell. You already know what LinkedIn is. It's the social network for professionals with more than 810 million people in their network. 
Nobody can even come close to the numbers that LinkedIn puts up. And if you're going over to LinkedIn Jobs and you're posting your job for free there, you could be reaching nearly 40 million job seekers every week just by having it up there. And again, you can post your job for free if you go over to lock or linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. And again, get the people that you can have on your team and trust to get the job done right, right away as you start to get into the fall season at LinkedIn Jobs. Helping us bring you the show today and also helping you potentially bring you your next superstar employee. My final notes here before we leave on a Monday on Locked On Big Ten. Uh, just a couple of notes from the other games. Big Ten went 10-4 and four on the weekend. Not great for a week two in the non-conference when you look at what the Big Ten had in its games. Of course, Michigan was a big headline. I talked about how I wanted to watch J.J. McCarthy. He looked really, really good. Final score was 56-10. to 10. His line, 11 for 12, 229, three touchdowns. So McCarthy was really solid. We'll see what Jim Harbaugh wants to end up doing at quarterback going forward. Northwestern lost at home to Duke. I talked about that was one of the closer lines of the weekend. It was a nice little comeback from Northwestern, and Halinski looked really good too. His stat line, 435 yards, two touchdowns, but then he realized that he threw it 60 times to get that 435 yards. Again, 36 for 60. Northwestern once, as I mentioned, put on a bit of a nice little comeback there to had to lead at half and then hold on and try and beat Duke at the end, but Blue Devils end up outscoring him 10 to 7 to take the lead and uh, win things in the fourth quarter. Final score 31 to 23 in that game. I didn't able wasn't able to really catch much of that, but Holinsky, I had to go and watch some of those highlights when I saw that box score. And speaking of looking good, Talia Tungavaloa, absolutely outstanding. Maryland final score against Charlotte 56 to 21. Tungavaloa's final stat line, four touchdowns, 391 yards, 27 of 31 yards passing. Those are the kind of numbers we had talked about when we talked about him potentially breaking out this season. So hopefully that's a sign of what's to come for him. It would be really fun if he got to get cooking in a big way for the Terrapins. Those are just my quick notes on the other notes from around the Big Ten this weekend. Big, big wins. Uh, otherwise, across the board for your team, if you were watching, Illinois picked up a big win over Virginia. Could they be decent? We'll, we'll see what ends up happening when we get to conference play with Brett Bielema's team. But as far as everybody else, it was all really, really not supposed to be close games and not close games. So we'll talk more about what happened with Nebraska tomorrow on the show, who could be next at the head coaching spot for that team, and what does that job exactly look like from an outsider's perspective right now? Is it the same as maybe Nebraska fans are hoping it is as far as where it stands on those blue chip positions? We'll talk about that and try and figure out exactly how good of a job that is tomorrow on the program. Until then, be sure to as always follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's Locked On Big Ten. That's T-E-N, not, or I'm sorry, one zero, not T-E-N on your Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, wherever you get the show. And, of course, give us a follow on Twitter, too. My personal Twitter is at NateWithSports. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Locked On Big Ten.